Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live. At those times, at richarddugan.com, podcasts are available both on the website of richarddugan.com homepage as well as the radio shows page and also on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and a lot of other places folks are reposting our interviews to. We thank you for doing that. We also encourage you to go to our guest's website. We'll be giving you our guest's website in just a few moments as we begin our program. And we encourage you to go to their website to continue your evolutionary process. We also would like to encourage you, if you are able to do so, to support this program financially. We do have a PayPal and Patreon account for security reasons so that you can support us financially uh, in with peace of mind. And we thank those who have and will help us financially. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I cannot thank you enough for uh, the contributions that have supported this program in nearly two years of asking. And that's all we're doing. We're just asking. There is no demand whatsoever. We're not selling you anything. We're just offering these programs, these podcast broadcasts uh, to you. So we encourage you, if you are able to do so, we thank you for doing that. And uh, we also want to let you know this is 2020, the year of perfect vision. We want you to spend some time going within. Spend some time with self and your higher self, your intuitive self, your divine self, however, however you want to phrase it. Get out in nature and just sit and listen. I have to tell you that the other day I was, I was just standing outside. I wasn't doing anything in particular, just standing there. And I heard the most beautiful songbirds. I, I don't know what they, I'm, I'm not that familiar with uh, being able to identify the sounds of birds with, uh, with uh, what they are. But, oh, it's just magnificent. And then, of course, every once in a while, we'll hear the dog barking across the highway there, uh, usually playing. And, of course, our dog barking and our cats meowing and our chickens clucking. And But it's just, it's magnificent, magnificent if you can do that. So it's, please spend some time uh, doing just that. Our program today is, uh, I think, one you're going to enjoy. We're going to be talking about money, but we're going to be talking about more than that. We're going to be talking with the author of The Laughing Billionaire, How to Become Rich and Happy. Uh, Eliahu Jean is our guest, and uh, he is America's leading Kabbalist teacher, reveals the powerful life strategies that he has used to guide billionaires, celebrities, and everyday folks, that be you and me, to a life of meaning and joy. And uh, our guest, of course, uh, with a little background here, is born in Israel, was raised in close proximity to a grandfather who was renowned for his profound wisdom and psychic intuitive gifts. We're going to talk to him about that for sure. And at the age of 16, Eliyahu also became drawn to astrology and palm reading to understand more deeply about himself and others. But he wants more in life. He wanted more in life, and uh, he uh, wanted to know why things happened. And with that, we like to welcome uh, Eliyahu Jean to our program. Want to welcome to our microphones to Skype uh, to this program, Tell Me Your Story with uh, 2020, the year of perfect vision, the author of The Laughing Billionaire, How to Become Rich and Happy, Simple Guides, Guidelines to Achieve a Billionaire Lifestyle of Wealth and Happiness. Eliyahu Jean, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Where are we reaching you? You're originally from Israel. Are we reaching you in Israel today? 
<laughs> no, I'm in Los Angeles, California. And uh, first, thank you for having me, Richard. I read uh, your story, which is a fascinating story and really exciting and inspiring at the same time. Well, thank you so very much. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. One of the uh, one of the areas that I certainly want to jump into, certainly everybody is, uh, especially today, as you and I speak, everybody is feeling uh, what is referred to as the pinch. Uh, and um, what's real interesting, and I don't know about you, Eliyahu, but uh, I have felt a sense of optimism from the very beginning, even back in December. Uh, November, I think uh, I didn't hear, hear about uh, the, the virus, but now December, is, I'm oh, there's something going on in Wuhan, China. I don't know where that is, but it's in China. And uh, hopefully they'll get that under control and we won't have a problem. Well, they didn't and we do. And obviously it's affected uh, us. Uh, let me ask you, first of all, your perspective on this. Uh, we hear uh, an inordinate amount of discussion, and maybe more than we should, in my opinion, and that's all it is, is an opinion, about the economy. And it seems as though there are those who are dead set on firing it up again. And yet they want to fire it up again. But we know very little about this virus. We know very little about the the uh, uh, effects on the human body after someone survives it. Now they're saying there could be some brain damage, let alone some lung problems uh, if it doesn't kill you, if you have preexisting conditions and so on and so on. And yet the their most important aspect is the economy getting uh, the country going again opening the opening everything up all uh, and and almost to say hey no problem it's going to be fine we'll we'll make it through and <laughs> i'm just curious about your perspective when it comes to something that is threatening humanity if it takes humanity out there is no economy is there <laughs> There is nobody who can buy and there is nobody who can sell. Yeah. That's what you're exactly saying. So, yes, economy is running, I don't want to say too negative, like it's running into um, all, it's more going through a transition to a change. Mm -hmm. You know, economy is not going to be the same. Uh, and I'm teaching a few people who have a lot of money and I teach a lot of people who don't have money. And I hear both sides. And I advise both sides the same. Uh, it's a very simple, you know, you got to reinventing yourself. And if you're not, then from the beginning, you were destined to a problem. If a person is not willing to change anything, then what's the worth of living at all? Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to change things, then what's the purpose of you being around? And that's really what it's all about. Yeah. It is extraordinary to me, and I, I don't want to start out on a negative note per se, but you have a chapter in your book for facing the dark side of the, the enslaves that enslaves us. Let me read that one more time. Facing the dark side Please. that enslaves us. And I know yeah. that there are a lot of people who feel that way, that the system is, in a manner of speaking, 
Uh, to quote uh, a presidential candidate, uh, the system is rigged uh, to benefit uh, the 1%. Uh, and that the 99%, they don't stand a chance. They don't stand a snowball's chance in hell. And yet, I have to tell you that it seems to me that those people who do believe that it's a system that enslaves us, um, maybe they have the wrong perspective? Or am I, am I looking at it the wrong way? Uh, when I wrote about slavery in my book, there is different type of slavery. There is slavery, a group of people, you start leading in a concept, you're not going to do everything perfect. But you need the people to support you in whatever you're doing. Yes, might be the leader are doing the wrong or the right thing. It's not for me or anybody to judge because we can't see the future. Whatever seemed right right now might be wrong later. Whatever seemed wrong right now might be right later. So we can see the details, but the one thing, spiritually talking, one thing that I see with this virus is how these things will help us to become a group or community, a global community. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about just American community. Right. A global 7.2 billion people who are going to start looking for what another, hey, I have that problem. What do you do? Hey, well, I have that issue last year. That's what I did. We need to start talking to each other. I mean, unfortunately, we invested so much money in more weapon to defend ourselves because mm. we live in fear. I don't think that Corona was the only fear. We live in fear before Corona. We just give it a name now. So until we don't deal with the fear we have from one another, you know, and everybody pulling a gun or knife or a missile at me if they disagree with me, and it's a problem. We got that's the real problem. Mm -hmm. So economy, we have enough food for everybody. There is enough food. California by itself can sustain all the United States with food. You know. So if we look at that physical aspect, we remove the politics, we remove the old concept of competition in the wrong way. We forgive the one who hurt us. We move on to to build a friendship. We can do it, but humanity needs some change. And we have social distancing before it was a corona. <laughs> we mm. were only getting closer after we have a drink or a smoke and we get closer. And even that getting closer was not as strong as it should be. I think that's what we're whatever we're going through right now will change the world forever in a good way. And from an astrological point of view, those of us who believe in astrology, we're going to see the fruit of the effort in after mid June, after June 17. So is that a, may I place that under the category yes. of a prediction? <laughs> prediction. It is a prediction. Okay. Yes. It's a, when, when a different radio channel talked to me in December and I said, I'm not worried about the first few months. I'm worried more about May. And they say, why May? I said, because in the end of May, there is a lot of retrograde in the chart of the world that is going to happen. Business-wise, a chaos, war. I just hope that in the next month, till the end of June, we will do well. And after that, things will get better. Yeah. So we just have to learn patience. And I think our generation have to, have to learn a little bit patient, a little bit waiting. And the, the, because the fruit is already there. All what we're missing is just 
waiting a little bit yeah. so we can get there. So if we're pointing the finger who's wrong, who's right, we might be right, but it's not going to add anything to the global community. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, pointing fingers, uh, how is that helping to solve the problem? Uh, because uh, it, it really isn't. And a lot of the negative uh, uh, commentary on the radio and television also is not helping. I mean, uh, I, you know, and I hear this I hear this a lot because I'm uh, working for a news and information station. Uh, you know, we have both mm. uh, liberal and conservative viewpoints on this program. I'd like to try to stay in the middle and stay out of the, the fray because it doesn't serve the purpose of uplifting and moving humanity forward and moving our civilization forward. We've been looking for those new ways of living forever i mean and then with this program for the past 12 years that we've been doing this program that's the one of our slogans is looking for those new ways of living new paradigms for a new world and uh and 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 providing people with choices and knowledge of those choices so that they can help to fulfill their dreams they can make their dreams come true and uh it just seems like there are people out there who are are hellbent, if you will, on just squashing everybody else's dreams for the sake of their own. And um, yes. I, 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 I kind of came up with this interesting uh, comparison or, or um, two-fold or two-pronged uh, position. Number one, in our Declaration of Independence for this country— uh, basically, and I, I'm going to try to remember it all. I used to be able to recite it word for word to the beginning and end because it's not that long. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, tranquility, domestic. provide provide for the common defense, promote. Now, this one is really important. Promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so within the Declaration of Independence, it's talking about we, collectively, the people. It's talking about tranquility. It's talking about uh, promoting the general welfare and securing the blessings to our posterity, future generations. And then we have another group of people who want their individual constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting. And so my question to them is, how are you going to balance your right to do whatever you want, when you want, where you want, how you want to who you want with promoting the general welfare, securing our, the blessings of liberty to the posterity and bringing about uh, tranquility. Explain mm. to me how you're going to do that, because if you are hell bent on just having your own rights and doing whatever you want, you can kiss uh, your posterity goodbye and your posterior. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because as we just said, as you just said, you'll have nobody to buy and nobody to sell because everybody will be dead. Then there's the well, other part of it. And you may be familiar with this. Um, Eliyahu, in the New Testament, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And they're kind of worried about uh, the next meal and what they're going to wear and where they're going to sleep and all these things. And he points up to the trees and he looks at the birds. And I paraphrase. This isn't King Jimmy here. I paraphrase and, I, and he says, well, you see the birds? They don't work. <laughs> they don't punch a clock. 
and yet they're taken care of. How much more will your heavenly Father take care of you and you were created specifically by the Creator? Mm. And those are the two, I, I don't want to say they're not paradoxes. They go hand in hand. On the one hand, on a material level, you can take the whole constitutional thing that I was talking about. On a spiritual level, you take the biblical uh, ex- example that I was, I was presenting and saying, and this is how I believe, uh, Eliyahu, the universe, the universal force, God, the Father, w- whatever name you want to give and, and use, and there are a lot of names to use, is going to take care of you. Trust, trust. Talk to mm-hmm. us about those elements, especially when we talk about, and I love the title of your book, we talk about the laughing billionaire. I noticed it wasn't millionaire. Trillionaire is a little haughty, but billionaire <laughs> works really well and how to become rich and happy. Talk to us about those elements from your perspective. First, I want to address what you just say from the Declaration of Independence. I mean, people forget who's the people who sat down and wrote that. Uh, we're talking about people who were practicing something, wisdom that most people are not familiar with. It's called Kabbalah. And that's based on something they follow. It's called Freemason. Okay, so there were Freemason who follow wisdom of Kabbalah. And within the wisdom of Kabbalah, they basically wrote down rules, the Kabbalistic rules from 4,000 years ago from a book that's called Book of Formation, which that book was written by Abraham. So relate to what you say uh, after that, you know, the concept of Jesus and the tree will sustain. You know, you got to look at the Bible, the Old Testament, and when you look at Jacob, when Jacob didn't have food, he sent his kids to go Egypt to bring some food. So in life, sometimes you got to change. It's, you find it in the Bible. you got to change. If you don't find the food in your country, yeah, the birds is true, and I'm not going against your words or Jesus' words, but from a Kabbalistic point of view, we are divided to four categories, as minerals, vegetables, animals, and human. Mm-hmm. Every one of those, this level is going to a change. Now, the change of humanity is what being attacked right now. The minerals, vegetables, and animals are not being attacked. Only humanity, which what is telling us that we need to start to think what makes us different than the animal. And it's very simple. Our desire to receive, our selfish desire, is much greater than animal, much greater than vegetables and minerals. So we need to balance that area immediately uh, because there is no balance with what I want and how much I want to share. What I want for myself is way more than what I want to give. So why do I want it? Just to keep it in my garage? Why do I want it? Why do I keep it thing? If I don't have a need to give and to share, then something is missing. Now, if we're going back to the, the uh, what you say before, the idea of making sure your country is safe, of course, you're going to make sure that you are protecting your sustenance and your money. And if some, I always say there is a big difference between evil behavior and stupid behavior. <laughs> evil behavior have a schedule. Stupid behavior has no schedule. So I have no idea what the next stupid thing the other person is going to do. So when it's got to money, you know, it's going to be smart people or evil people who control it, unfortunately, 
but at least I know where it's going. But if stupid people will control money, we're going to hell. That's going to be a big problem because you have no idea what the next thing they're going to do yeah. because they just randomly do whatever they want. So you're going to make sure if you choose a, le a leader, they're going to do a mistake. Every leader is going to do a mistake. Let's see how we're helping those leaders to be better. A leader with no good advisor or good follower is not a leader because leader means somebody that leads people to do better. If you don't do better under any leader, you check yourself and you check the leader. You can't just blame the leader. No. What is wrong with me and what is wrong with my leader? And together we fix it. Mm -hmm. Let's fix it together. And we say, okay, maybe I should do like the president Kennedy once said, it's not what you do for your, uh, for what we do for you, what you do for your country. Mm -hmm. Okay. He took it from George Bernard Shaw, the big philosopher. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to get into a point of, Everybody has to contribute something. You can't just take. And we are running now to society that we are working together. We are helping each other. There's no such a thing like you say in the beginning, everybody for themselves. It's going to end very bad. If you just think me, 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 me and myself, is almost like the, 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 the tumor of cancer in society. Because what is the tumor? It's just a cell who refused to die and just take, take, take. You got to give. What are you giving to society? What are you giving back? You're giving safety. You're giving money. You're giving education. You're giving advice. You got to give something. If you're giving nothing, then even if you're not going to lose, you're already sad. You're already miserable. Because people who don't give are basically sad people. That's what I want to say about your two points. I tell you that uh, the, the, the Kabbalah is something that has always intrigued me. Uh, I was introduced to it many, many years ago. I haven't really studied it. But <clears throat> here's what I found so interesting about the Tree of Life, the, the diagram itself. Um, <clears throat> and I need to learn more about it. I want to learn more about uh, the Kabbalah. Please. Uh, but um, Please. if you look at the diagram, all right? Yes, yes. All right, now I need you to now remember what the front view of the original Starship Enterprise from the original 1960s series, mm, very you nice. will see very nice. that in the Tree of Life. Now, I don't know if Roddenberry got it from there. All I know is that's what I see. Is I can see it at different levels in the tree. You can see the nacelles off to the side, uh, either side, and you see the the, Very the nice. diamond I of. Never the... thought about it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Because I'm 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 teaching Kabbalah for so many years, and by the way, if you want to study all the Tree of Life and all this diagram, you can go just on my site for free. The lecture hour for free. There is about three hundred hours of lectures. Oh. There, you just go there and enjoy yourself. Okay? I will. I will do it's that. Vitaltransformation.org. Vitaltransformation.org is all for free for all people who want to study. Please don't jump into the advance right away. Go slowly. Mm -hmm. so, so, But this is beautiful. I, I, this is fascinating me that you show it to me. Like the circle of the enterprise look like the circle in uh, the Tree of Life. Yeah. It is very nice. And wow. So then what, I, I, what you it, can start doing. It's funny. Yeah. What you can start doing from that point uh, is you start taking a look at the philosophy of Star Trek, all right, 
you start taking a look at that and you start to realize that that even though it wasn't perfect and it they constantly even through next generation series and the movies and deep space nine and all of the others they would constantly say hey we're not perfect you know we're we're doing the best we can we're learning too we're trying to make it work but at least they had a framework to work from and and uh, uh, certainly still had that mindset out there of of individuals who felt that you know their way was the best way and whether you like it or not this is what we're going to do instead of doing some level of collaboration. Um, how long have you been studying uh, the, the Kabbalah? About a little bit more than 30 years. So I study, I mean, it's for life. I'm still, now, yeah. I, now I'm studying a little bit what happened before creation, before God. Mm-hmm. As God as we know it, there is a different levels to it. So, uh, and I teach it in different levels of people because there is a, some of the levels are very deep, and I'm not recommended to everybody to study it on their own, but if they want, it's a good idea. Um, so I teach it for a long time. So, yes. What, what is the most, pro, at least to this, to this time of our conversation, what would you say is the most profound thing that you personally uh, have learned and integrated into your life? From Kabbalah, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So that in Kabbalah you teach that the original desire that the divine created, okay, with the divine we call it creator, okay? So the creator create a desire. That was the only creation that was the beginning of creation and the end of creation. After that, everything took place later. So that desire, the original desire that was created by the creator for the sake of sharing, meaning that the creator can share into something, that original form of desire is much greater than any desire that any human or anything in this world can even think about, which means we are not even desire 0.00, uh, about 99.0.1 of that amount of desire. So our desire is ridiculously small. We are not suffering from wanting too much. We are suffering from not wanting enough. And the idea is what we want, it's a joke. You know, whatever we want compared to what the creator want to give you, the creator want to give you 100%. You maximum will receive 0.0991% of what you want. That's for the most amount. So can you imagine that we think, I mean, unfortunately, religion, whatever it is, Judaism or Catholic, put the guilt within desire. The Catholic (laughs) call it gluttony. The Jewish will call it the Jewish guilt. But from the creator point of view, he's sitting there and cooking every day the best dishes. And he said, why nobody want it? And we thinking we're supposed to say no. No, you're supposed to say yes. But the only way you can receive it is by saying no. And that's a little bit profound what I just say, because that's complicated. Yeah. Meaning the way you can receive things in this life is by pushing them back. But it doesn't mean that that's why they give a pleasure to the divine. The divine wants you to want more so you can receive. But the system here, the way you can receive it is by pushing it back. And through that, you act as the divine. And through that, you can receive. I hope I didn't blow your mind or anybody on the show. Well, it it brings to mind something that I have thought of and shared with people for decades. Uh, There is a universal law. That universal law is 
that there is always an equal, there is always an exchange. It doesn't always happen the way you think it should. But there is, there, it has to be that way. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Well, it's the same thing here. And so, mm. in other words, in order for there to be a giver, there must be a receiver and vice versa. You cannot just be a giver. It doesn't work. You are mm-hmm. breaking one of the universal laws, if you will. And, uh, yeah. and I think that that's kind of what you're saying. But at the yeah. same time, when you say that we need to want more... We need to know what it is that we really, and and this is deep down inside what we really want, what we really desire. Not, and I don't think it's in the category of, well, uh, Eliyahu, I want, I want a new car, uh, and and I want a big two-story house, and uh, I'd like to have a seven or eight-digit annual income, uh, and do what I love to do, and uh, uh, let's see, uh, I'd like to have five wives. You know, and uh, and the list and that list goes on. That is not what you're talking about at all, is it? I when people tell me that, I say this is great, but it's too little. You're asking for too little, and that's usually wake them up. Mm-hmm. You know, because we are emotional creature, so mm-hmm. we are looking to be happy. That's one of the reasons I call the book the Laughing Billionaire. You know, we want to be happy, so you can have all the money in the world. It's not going to make you happy, but it's going to make you a sense of safety. And I can be happy tomorrow because I have enough money to play with. But we know what happened when the person gets to the age 72. They look at their domain. They look at what they have. They have it all. They have the wrong friend who likes the money. They have the wrong family. Everything is wrong in their life because they develop only one muscle. And the one muscle they develop is the physical muscle of making money. Mm. And now they deal with life and they say, I want to be happy. Well, happy is an emotional talent. It's not a physical talent. I'm so sorry to tell you. <laughs> or a person become a professional basketball player or tennis player. They develop that degree and they make a lot of money and fame and they win everybody, but they're still not happy because they didn't develop that muscle. In our life, we have many muscles to develop. I believe, my personal belief, happiness is supposed to be the number one goal. But if a person believes that by making billion, he can be happy or she, go ahead, be my guest. Prove mm. me wrong. I want to see that. I met many billionaires, many famous people. And I'm telling you, not everybody is happy. There is people that work on themselves spiritually while they're making the money. Then they are rich and happy. Yeah. But most people develop only buying a new car, a new house, new something, there is a great feeling in the beginning. Sure. But it doesn't it doesn't fill you up for mm-hmm. for more than a day or two. Mm-hmm. You you're miserable. You have eight bedroom, you're looking around, you say, okay, I achieve a goal. Bravo, now what? Now you're running to the next goal because you're bored. But if you say, I want to be happy and I'm also gonna be rich and I'm also gonna buy a house and I'm also gonna do something in a, no problem. Go after your dream. Do whatever you think it's the right thing. And find people like you so you can help each other. We live in a society right now that we gotta work together. And you can help me and I can help you. And let's let's achieve a dream together. Why not? Let's dance together. Why not? Yeah. It's great. If that make you happy, let's do it. But if it's make you visible, why are you doing it to yourself? <laughs> it's nobody's sign. Or something to say, I should feel bad 
and then I should feel good. No, I feel good now, and I will feel better later. You don't have to beat yourself up. You are here to fall in love with yourself. You are here to be happy, and then you can give more happiness to others, and you can love others. If you have, you can give. But if you're miserable, many times I hear husband or wife involved in a relationship, they, they're not happy, and they try to fix each other. What are you doing? <laughs> you're never going to fix anybody. What are you doing? Shame. Yeah. I mean, they say my wife is like a tiger, and I want my wife to become a zebra. And I said, you want the bad news right now or in two years? <laughs> say right now. Say, listen, she's a tiger, and she's staying a tiger. I'm sorry for the bad news. Now, you tell me what are you going to do about it. You want to change yourself? You want to change your vision? Or you want to change them? You can only change your point of view. Mm -hmm. You cannot change the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in Israel, I worked as a farmer in a kibbutz. Kibbutz is like, uh, how do I describe kibbutz? It's almost like a, 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 a socialism village that everybody works for no money and we work for each other. So I work with the cows and the chicken. And when you work with a cow, you get really dirty, really, really dirty. Because you, 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 your feet, your leg get mixed with the mud and something that seemed like the mud, but it's not. <laughs> and it smelled really bad. <laughs> and I remember my partner was Uri, and we both working really hard early in the morning. And he gets really angry because we tried to date some girls and we couldn't date anybody because as we go to the dining room, we come really dirty. And he used to complain, look at us. And I said, hurry. We take a shower, we clean ourselves, then we become normal again. And I believe this is life. I can't change the mud. I can't change whatever look like mud. But I tell you what, I can get out of it. I can get out of it and then later on clean myself. If you marry to the wrong person, I'm sorry for the bad news, but either say goodbye, or either, you know, learn to live with that. But yeah. What are you doing to yourself? Why are you beating yourself up or beat them up? No, no, no. We are not here to change people. We are here to change ourselves. Yes, yes. You know, you also bring to mind uh, another quote from uh, one of our other founding documents, the preamble to the Constitution, that talks about wow. how we have these inalienable rights given to us by God of life and liberty. But the one that springs to my mind here and what you've just talked about is happiness. Oh, one, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's the pursuit of happiness. We, we don't get it. We can pursue it. We get life. We get liberty. But we don't get happiness. And yes. the, the, I, I yeah. look at that and I go, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. With everything you've just said, uh, Eliyahu, um, it seems to me like we don't pursue we can pursue it yes but it is possible to have it you won't necessarily have it 24 hours a day seven days a week Sick. okay because we are emotional beings and we are affected by our outside the outside stimuli right yes. uh, but it just seems to me like there will be those moments when you will have achieved happiness and it seems to me that when we talk about wanting more, you, you say that uh, all of those things I listed, the material things, that's that's nothing because there's so much more. And I think about that in terms of, for example, going back to uh, Jesus talking to his disciples who were in a bit of awe over the miracles he was performing, according to the Old Testament. And, um, and, and he's like, wow, this is really cool, man. Hey, could you show us how to do that stuff? And he basically uh -huh. says, once again, I am paraphrasing here. He basically tells them, 
this stuff? You mean water into wine and raising the dead and all that stuff, healing? and Sure, I can show you how to do that. But here's the deal. Uh, this is nothing compared to the greater works that you are going to do. And I believe that those greater works, or that greater work in particular, is the transformation of our lives. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, when we talk about Jesus, I have to relate it to more the historical event, uh, who he was. And uh, basically, I studied from a Talmudic point of view, and who he was, his teacher, and what did he study. So basically, Jesus lived in a time of called the Tanaim. The Tanaim were people, all of them resurrect the dead, all of them walk on water, all of them fly. So we're talking about generation doing the second temple, the Jewish temple, and in the end of the destruction of the temple. Mm -hmm. So we talk about around 2,000 years ago, okay, when people like Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, all those rabbis were practice that method. And the idea of walking on water, of course, it's in the books of Kabbalah. It's all in the books of Kabbalah and how to do it, how to fly, how to teleport yourself, how to be able to foresee in the future. Everything is there. And for the person to get to that level, you know, so they can do that, is first, there is two levels. First is study, and second, it's called simplicity. It's two levels you can tap into that wisdom. So in the time of Jesus, Jesus was not specially in his time because everybody did that. All the rabbi in his time and his master, Rabbi Zerachia, you know, if you read, it's all, all on Google. I mean, and Christianity was basically discovered later by Paul, or who we call Rabbi Shaul. And Rabbi Shaul was a rabbi that basically uh, explained and the disciples of Jesus, as it mentioned in the New Testament. So the whole concept of Christianity came about 250 or 70 years later. When you look before that, it was more a concept to make the simple human being believe that they have power within them. That was the mission of Jesus. He made human being believe in two things. He removed people from paganism, not to believe in idol worshiping, and to believe in the concept of the divine and God. And second belief is to believe that the Messiah eventually will come. That's the two essential strong belief that the, I believe, again, injected within the mind of humanity. That's the two things that he brought. The idea that people sometimes tend to believe in him more than uh, in the divine or in God, I believe that that explained very well. If I remember right, the book is called uh Celestine prophecy yes a lot of christian people are against it but it's a great book they it say, is what if jesus come today to indiana something like that and the, it's a very good i think it's a great book one and two and the concept there is to understand that sometimes we use religion uh, too much in to tell who was jesus i mean if you see jesus today he will not understand christianity he will be like a Jewish boy went to yeshiva, went to some Orthodox school and studied not just Talmud, studied Kabbalah. And he didn't just study Kabbalah, he studied the mystical aspect of Kabbalah, which is forbidden today, which is how to make your body disappear, how to fly, how to do some heavy-duty stuff that mentioned in the books of Kabbalah, but also been advised not 
not to use. So every one of us, going back to your point, has a great potential mm-hmm. to their being what they need to do. Like you, for example, you brought to the world something which is incredible. I mean, from if I read it right, from coming from a place of dark into the place of driving your car and guiding people, look what you're doing. You discover more than walking on water. For me, more than just flying, you discover things that is just unbelievable. I was on a different radio show where the lady who ran it, she's legally blind and she lost a sight. And it's a different story because she come from the light to the dark and she's still motivating people. You come from the dark to the light and you motivate people, which is unbelievable. So we all have something that we need to discover because the word is discover, remove the cover, and we must get to that. If you look at Joseph from the Old Testament, Joseph were a man that was sold to slavery mm. by his own brother. He was nobody. And then he became the second to Pharaoh. How can that be if not the mighty one, the, the divine himself, getting involved in your movie? But you can't sit at home and waiting for something to happen. Nobody's going to come knock on your door. At least be outside of your door and say, who's coming? I'm ready. You know, show yeah. something. So you have to have something that's called awakening from below. So then the awakening from above will happen. But if you have no awakening from below, I see some of the new generation kids who are sitting there and waiting for something to happen. Nothing going to happen. Yes, the divine is here, but you're going to do something about it that the divine will come and fulfill your wishes. That's my take on the potential of each individual. Well, and and uh, I, I like everything that you had to say, and it, it reminds me of a, an analogy that I use quite often uh, about an individual who has their hands cupped in front of them, and they're carrying their individual will, if it were possible to do so, and they are muttering under their breath as they walk through this beautiful green meadow surrounded by trees. They're just saying... I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. And then they toss it in the air and it floats up and God receives their will, catches their will in God's hands. And and, and tears are streaming down God's face because, my gosh, one of my creation wants to do my will. Oh, this, I I couldn't ask for more. And all this time, Mm. God is compressing the individual's will down into the size of a baseball and then rears back and throws square in the forehead of the individual uh, uh, their will like a 90-mile-an-hour Nolan Ryan fastball and utters the following words. Then do something with the life I gave you. You are not a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you do not understand. And that's really what it comes down to. There is no devil that makes you do anything any more than there is a God who makes you do anything. It is strictly your choice. Either you're responsible or you're not. And that's kind of what it comes down to. You've heard this before, I'm sure. 
uh, whether yeah, I mean, in Israel I mean, or, or elsewhere, you're either pregnant or you're not. You're not a little pregnant. <laughs> you're never almost pregnant, right? Yeah, exactly. You're never almost. <laughs> That's what you want to say. You're never almost pregnant. <laughs> but it's, it is one of those things that I struggled with back when I worked for the Christian station. I was working for a Christian station for 15 years. And, and as I say, it was one of the greatest educations that I was ever paid for. Uh, my boss, when I left after 15 years, declared that I was a casualty of Christian broadcasting because I didn't toe the party line. I, I was a Baha'i for a year and a half. Wow, I was curious wow. about Islam. Oh. Uh, I oh. was reading books. I have, I've got a book at home uh, that I interviewed the author of. He channeled wow. Paul. Uh, basically, uh, this gentleman was channeling Paul who was trying to basically explain the letters or the epistles in the New Testament to the current that to the to this generation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. my observation, for example, of the writings of Peter and Paul, any of the letters, the epistles, anything after the book of Acts and before the book of Revelation, if the people had just gotten the message in the first place, none of those letters would have been needed and the New Testament would have been much shorter. But the people didn't get it, and they were fighting amongst themselves. And no, you do it this way. No, you do it this way. And no, you can't do that. And yes, we can do that. And it's like unbel. And it's like no different today. I mean, when we're dealing with this issue with the COVID virus, because we know so little about it, everybody's pontificating as to what we should or shouldn't do, what we can or cannot do. And we have the strife uh, in the world that we do, and we're looking for the peace. I want to talk to you about. Uh, your grandfather and his psychointuitive abilities. Yeah. Did you yeah. uh, sort of kind of in a way inherit that? Did you have to develop it? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, many people ask me that. My mother believed I, I took it from my grandfather. Of course, she believed yeah, I'm her son, so she loved me. But I can't answer that because how would I know why do I have it or why I, why I was giving that to I will tell you that I had married to know my grandfather and my grandmother. And uh, I wasn't thinking much of him when I was young because I was a rebel. And I tried to find that there is no God in in everything. I, will, I want to prove scientifically that there is no God. That was actually one of my mission when I was young. And as I'm trying to prove it, I realized I was wrong. So it's kind of a weird journey that I have from age 16 you know, trying because my mom put me in Orthodox Jewish school, yeshiva. So I have to study. I was forced to be Orthodox. When my mother come from a generation of Orthodox Jewish family from North Africa, my father grew up in Sicily, who was against anything to do with spirituality or religion. So it's a weird situation I was in. So I had to learn to live with both belief, and it was much easier to follow my father which is only business, no spirituality. But as I'm growing, I start to rediscover that there is some truth <laughs> about God. There is some truth about spirituality. So I, And I'm happy it happened this way because it didn't happen because I have to. It happened because it was my personal experience. Mm -hmm. And when I start reading people, uh, whatever it was, face reading or palm reading or astrology or psychic reading or talking to the dead or something much deeper. My father used to do something like that, but he asked me never to do it. But thank God I didn't listen to him, as they say. You know, <laughs> I did go go ahead. 
because I'm a rebel. And I didn't know that it's special until I moved actually to America and I started giving lectures here because I'm a writer. So I wrote that lecture for somebody else. And it was so complicated to give the lecture that the speaker in New York City asked me, Eliyahu, I think you should give it. It's too much for me to give it. I said, I'm not a speaker, I'm just a writer. So please, and I, my English is not that great. So here you are, you give the lecture. I said, no, no, I'm not, not giving that lecture. <laughs> I find myself one of 200 people, Lexington Avenue, I remember the street at 50th Street, I forgot the name of the hotel, and I'm giving the lecture there. I'm so nervous, and that's how it starts. And the TV reached out to me, the radio, and celebrity, and I was very young then, I was 25. And then I start traveling the world with a lot of knowledge, with something that I didn't want to do. I just want to write about it. I never want to speak about it. And then people start coming for reading. And then I realize, oh, my God, I'm stuck with that thing from 8 a.m. till 11 p.m. I'm never going to have a girlfriend and a wife. That's what I was busy with. I was only busy with that. Like, my life is suck at that moment. I said, this is wrong. This is bad. Because this is not a good. So I tried to get out of the job. And I couldn't. It was very difficult. So I trained 25 people. And I trained them out to read people. I say, you don't have to be a psychic. I invent a concept, how to read people in 10 minutes. And it worked. But they they realized that it's, include, it's involved a lot of job. So a lot of them say, whoa, that's way too much. And then I find myself doing it again and start all over again. And for that reason, I want to share this information and knowledge that you don't have to be special or chosen to do that. You go ahead and just read. And I know many people tell you you have to be special. I believe all of us can do most of it. There is a few things that maybe I believe I'm gifted uh, that was given to me from above or from my grandfather. But all of us can forgive. All of us can be nice. All of us can do other things. We, we can do most of it. We cannot do all of it. But, you know, I hope I explain what you want to know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's... A, a, an amazing thing how people come into their purpose, shall we say. Uh, it's it's extraordinary sometimes, uh, even to them. And for me, yeah. uh, I was born and raised Catholic. Um, uh, we lived next door to a Mormon family, nine children. Of course, uh, we weren't that far behind. We had six, uh, my myself, my two older sisters, my younger brother, and two younger sisters. And, um, you know, and it was it was a, a, a wonderful experience in that I would have to say we were middle class, um, you know, and my folks tried to give us the things that we wanted. But, of course, there were times I know and we're not that's not something that you're you know, if you want that, you're going to go out and work for it because that's not something we're going to spend money on as much as they would have liked to. Um, but they left me. They gave me. They haven't left yet. They're still here on this planet. My dad is uh, 89 this year. My mother, 86. And they're doing well back in Phoenix. And uh, the thing that uh, my dad uh, shared with me, and this applies uh, just about everywhere in life, but his comment, his statement was, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. Mm-hmm. And he also told me, says, uh, find a job that you love doing and don't get stuck like me. And at the time he told me that, at the time he told me that, he, he probably felt that way. 
But then he went back to college. He went back to junior college and he got his programming wow. degree. And this was back when they used fan fold paper and punch cards. And wow. uh, he was able to transition into another job because his, uh, his one job that he had here uh, at Rocky Mountain Bank Note Company, uh, they moved and he didn't want to move the family to, to Utah. So, um, but they, they in, instilled in me the freedom to search. And I've been searching probably actively since I was 17. I'm almost 60. And so it's been a, it's been a long 43 years. Mm. Uh, mm. But it's been a fruitful 43 years. And especially those 15 years at the Christian radio station. Because I met a lot mm. of incredible people. I was doing interviews like this. Okay, that certainly would not go over real well within the normal Christian setting. However, I also knew the language that I had to speak. I knew the words that I had to use to get it past uh, the, the critics and the cynics. I never. <laughs> and, and in the 15 years I was doing that, I never received one phone call. Never, never. Not one. No, no, no complaint. Because I guarantee you, if there had been a complaint, I would have heard about it right away. Um <laughs> I have to ask you about, uh, you know, you've mentioned the Kabbalah, you've mentioned some of the other books, and obviously I'm a big fan of the Celestine Prophecy and James Redfield. Uh, I even recorded uh, several of those books for my first wife, who was totally blind. She probably still has the cassettes there at the house back in Phoenix. Um, But I was enthralled by the part of his message that talked about how we have messages for each other. And that we need to drop the shield to let those messages through to one another in order to, as I put it, continue to put together the pieces of our puzzle, of our understanding of self and the world around us. And it seems to me like that's kind of the work that you're in, in sharing with people. And the thing, if I'm if I am reading this correctly... The laughing billionaire isn't necessarily about becoming a billionaire, not in the exactly. dollars and cents context, is it? Exactly, yeah. The laughing billionaire is about, you know, if you're rich, make sure you're happy. And if you're happy, make sure you're not living in the la-la land with not making a living to have food on your table, like your parents teach you so well to earn. So, because a lot of time people are just happy because, I don't know, they smoke a joint or they have a nice bottle of wine, but they're not fulfilling what they need to do for the physical point of view. If you have only the physical point of view get covered, then make sure the spiritual point of view, which is happiness, get covered as well. So both, you got to cover both points. That's what the laughing, spirituality, billionaire, physicality. Mm. You got to mix both sides and then it's it's going to work for you. That's definitely going to work for you. Well, I encourage people to find out more. Uh, we're going to tell you right now where you can go. And I've got to jump back to my other window here. There are two websites, but I think we're going to focus on, because I'm sure that one goes to the other and vice versa. You have, uh, you have vitaltransformation.org where you referred to uh, learning about the Kabbalah uh, with uh, the hundreds of hours of uh, videos. You also have eliahujan.com. That's E-L-I-Y-A-H-U-J-I-A-N 
www.thepatriotmedia.com. And you can go there as well as I'm sure get to uh, uh, other things. You do coaching. You've got all kinds of things going on. Yes. Uh, yes. You uh, tell us, uh, according to this, uh, uh, laughter, even though we hear this quite often from the Reader's Digest, laughter being the best mes- medicine, laughter is a powerful tool uh, that can help to experience the joy and happiness in life. And um, that, to me, is is quite profound. Sometimes mm. I've even heard it said that even if you don't feel like laughing, if mm. you were to consciously start to laugh, even if you're yes. faking it, yes, fake it till you make it. you keep laughing, and eventually yeah. it almost kicks in. It's kind of like the pull yeah. motor yes. on a, a lawnmower yeah. or a chainsaw. You keep pulling, and yes. eventually it's yeah. going to start on its yes. own. Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. And there is laughter that comes before a good event, and there is laughter that comes as a good event. The laughter has come as a good event. It's called laughter or or maybe happiness as a result. That laughter is not as strong as when you smile and you be happy when things are not so great, because that's called happiness as a cause or happiness as an effect. Mm. Effect, happiness is not so powerful because... It's easy. You win the lottery. Your your wife or husband love you. Everything just work out. You're perfectly healthy. You'll be happy. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be happy. But happiness, when you're not in the mood to be happy, I tell people fake it till you make it. Meaning, don't fake it till you will get stuck in fake it. Fake mm-hmm. it till you make it. The goal is to make it, not to fake it. Mm-hmm. Many people say, okay, I'm in the fake it till you make it. How long you are in that fake it? Eh, 25 years. You know, you got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, there is people who are searching for the truth or there is people who are searching to find the truth. There's two different. The one who like to search for the truth are never meant to find it. They just enjoy searching. Mm-hmm. The one who want to find the truth, I really give a time limit for themselves. Let's say 10 years, five years. I want to find the truth. And then from there you build up. Don't just become a searcher for the rest of your life because it's dangerous. You can be searching and never finding and that's make you not committing for anything, which is fun. Yeah. But you don't accomplish a lot <laughs> when you do that. I remember uh, someone said to me uh, back in those 15 years uh, in Phoenix um, when we were just chatting and, uh, you know, I said, well, I'm on my search. I'm on my search. And they said, well, once you find Jesus, your search is over. And I knew then and I shared this with them. Well, actually, once I find Jesus, my search has just begun. Uh, and this was back when I was Very in good. my in my 20s. OK, now I'm heading towards 60. Uh, I feel as though I've learned a lot. And yet I know I've heard this many times. Uh, no matter how much you think, you know, you still don't know anything. Uh, and it really that's really true, because I think what's really important. And this is, I think, something that you are really trying to share with our listeners through the laughing, the laughing billionaire uh, is that the the real destination, if you will, and I, I, I hope to enjoy the journey as well, as they say, but the real destination is finding that equilibrium, that equanimity, that tranquility within, that peace and calm to where you're not swayed back and forth by the external world. Uh, we're always going to have emotions, and I'm not talking about doing away with our emotions by any means. But mm-hmm. 
you and I both know we're seeing today, we're seeing the the heights, the heights of compassion and understanding and support and giving. And we're also seeing the lows of selfishness and um, it's just a man and greed and avarice and so forth and so on because because of in spite of uh, the this virus that's letting down laying down a whole bunch of rules that we've never lived by before and people are starting to lose their minds in some sense um so there those are both out there but we we can appreciate and I think maybe this is a good place for us to to dive into real quickly here. We need to learn to be able to appreciate both ends and everything in between on that spectrum in mm-hmm. that all of them are playing a role for us of teaching us, of learning about mm-hmm. self and learning about mm-hmm. how, okay, I really, I don't want to get into that state where I'm in a knockdown drag out over a roll of toilet paper, you know? <laughs> And at the same time, I don't have the skills and abilities and the aptitude to make masks, but maybe there's some other way I can contribute um, to support what's going on and and so forth. And so talk to us a little bit about that inner uh, um, journey, if you will, and searching for mm-hmm. that equilibrium or equanimity, if you will. I mean, I mean, when I, when I talk to, let's say, this morning, I had to do a talk for business people in New York, a group of CEO. So when we talk to them, uh, it's obvious that the business world will never be the same. Um, we, we will find out more in January 2021 what's going to happen. But mention that uh, and to explain to the public that who you are didn't change which means if you didn't overcome anything in your life, this time panic you because you didn't redevelop your muscles of survival. You didn't develop well your well-being. You didn't develop, develop well your inner core. And that's why when this virus hit you, you all of a sudden wake up to say, oh my God, I'm not that strong. But the people who developed themselves before the virus, spiritually, physically, everything, then when they deal with it, it's it's stay at home, yes, but everything continues the same. It's it's exactly the same what was before. So you have a choice now. Either you start working on yourself and you do something with your life, because when we get out of the virus, we will be divided to two groups of people. The one who know how to overcome the issues and the one who's not willing. They're too lazy. They don't want to overcome anything. They just want everything to be ready and come to their door. We need to change. And change is a beautiful thing. Don't be afraid of, of the change. Be afraid of more not the change. You know, if you don't want to change, that's a problem. You got to be willing to change something. Hmm. You got to be, you know. Mm-hmm. That's my take on that. Well, that's often how I have viewed uh, dealing with uh, my own emotions over uh, our our current president, um, and this is non-political. What I'm what I'm saying here, the behavior. If I exhibited that behavior in front of my mother, I would uh, probably have uh, have very sore red cheeks for the rest of my life because she wouldn't put up with it. Uh, so uh, I say, okay, teacher, thank you for showing me how not to behave. 
Uh, but I've also gotten to the place where from a very, uh, I try to come from a very humble place, a very selfless place, a very wanting to help and support place and asking the question, what is it that you are so afraid of that it causes you to behave and speak and act in this way? You know, and I'm not asking you to change. That's entirely up to you. I'm asking for my own benefit so that I can better understand and then put it aside and I can move on with my life and the work that I am here to do. Because I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. They're getting wrapped up in 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 personalities. That's like personalities are irrelevant. You mm-hmm. are what's important. You have to take care of you first, isn't it? That's uh, from what my wife tells me because she's been in survival um, courses. The number one rule in survival training is take care of number one. Because if you don't, you can't help anybody else. It's true. It's yeah. absolutely. It's like the airplane. You know, when they tell you with the mask, mm-hmm. make sure you take care of yourself and then others. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But while you're taking care of yourself, just don't fall in to get used yeah. to it and don't see nothing around you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. People. There is people around us who really need us right now. And uh, our organization, my wife and me, making sure to help as many people in our neighborhood and people who don't have food or different things. We're helping uh, first responder in New York. So you got to help people. You got to be there for people. Yeah. Uh, but in the same time, the best thing I can help people with is education. I give education for people to make their life better because I want them to be dependent on themselves not depend on any guru or somebody, but otherwise it turn into codependency. Yeah. And it's better it will be that they trust themselves. Yeah. So I think your wife is right what she's told you. Yeah. Codependency is so nineties. It's just so nineties. It's you know. Yeah. <laughs> Eliyahu Jean, I want to thank you so much for giving us thank so you. much time here on the program. And uh first thank of all, you. uh I know you're down in LA. So uh, hopefully one of these days when we are able to travel and uh, meet face to face, would love to have I'm you in the studio here in Santa Barbara to talk more about the work that you're doing, especially with wow. Vital Transformation. And we encourage people to go to that website, vitaltransformation.org. Uh but yeah, I, I would love to do this. And and you know what? We'll do it again on Skype or Zoom, whichever. Uh in the not too distant future. Wife can come for dinner one time. I, I cook pretty well. I would, Maybe you can come here. Oh, I'd okay. love it. I would love to do that. I would love to make the trip down there and, and visit with you. We will stay in touch for sure. I have three final questions for you. But first of all, I want to remind our listeners, vitaltransformation.org is the website we'll be linked to. But also, I want to encourage you to listen to the podcast. If you're listening to the radio version you need to listen to the whole thing. You need to go to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a whole bunch of other places. And if you can support us financially, uh, thank you for doing so. Go to the PayPal or Patreon accounts on my website, richarddugan.com, on the homepage as well as the missions page. Uh, Do what you can. We'll take energetic support as well. And we greatly appreciate those who have and those who will support uh, this radio broadcast. Eliyahu, Jean, I want to thank you again, and I have these three final questions that you may have addressed during the program, but I like asking them directly at the end of the program. And the first of the three questions is, who is Eliyahu Jean? (laughs) Eliyahu Jean is a 
just an advisor, an advisor that advises people how to find their true potential. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? To work with other spiritual leaders together on one stage and to guide millions of people globally in different languages to a better lifestyle. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life purpose is to get the information that come from esoteric or mystical levels and share it with human beings that sometimes not always get those answers. So it will be publicly. It will not be kept just for special people. Mm. So everybody can have the information. Well, we will stand with you and facilitate that as well. Uh, you wouldn't believe the, the volumes of books that I have at home of an esoteric nature. It's just been fascinating uh, to talk with people and read some of these works and, and uh, just begin to take in more. And I have to tell you, uh, before we wrap up, I read uh, one book, uh, and one word seems to come from it for me that I really have enjoyed. And it took me several years to finally finish and read this book when it came out in Audible. Uh, and that is Stranger in a Strange Land. And the word is to grok or to assimilate, as I interpret it, into every cell of your being, down to the subatomic level, to make... Wow that which you believe, that which you know, a part of your being, that it is your being. Uh, but make sure <laughs> that it rings true for you. But at the same time, know that you can always change it. It's not set in concrete. And that's part of the transformational process. So, uh, by the way, I don't know if you've read Stranger in a Strange Land. I loved the book, okay? I loved reading Thank the book. But I hated the ending. I said, no, you can't do that. But he did. And so there you go. Again, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you. Thank you. And keep in touch. And hopefully I see you in Santa Barbara when I'm there. Okay? Absolutely. I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast podcast, Love to Lal.